0: Bones and Bobbins podcast is now on Patreon. Would you like access to bonus episodes, digital extras, exclusive merch, and more? Join us in the Curiosity Shop at patreon.com backslash Bones and Bobbins.
1: Your generous support helps make the show happen and will also earn you our very eternal gratitude and mm-hmm. entry into our private Patreon only Facebook group
0: where we have which fun. is really fun yes exactly <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: yes you, you'll want to you'll want to join us
0: definitely and we've got because fun content. content yes <laughs> oh
1: my <laughs> yes if, if you want uh, this to be a weekly podcast i have good news for you yes it can be if you join the patreon indeed In a dusty old shop on a forgotten old street, you'll find two witches with books three boxes deep. Next to rusty old needles and faded red thread, you'll come in for yarn, but leave with pigments instead. Whether poisons or patterns, we're always discreet, where creepy and crafty and morbidity meet. Welcome to the Bones and Bobbins Podcast. Hello! Hello! Morbid Makers, we are your slightly creepy,
0: mildly disconcerting,
1: somewhat sinister,
0: delightfully discomposed, opaquely odd, merrily morbid, and marvelously misanthropic hosts. And this is Bones and Bobbins, Season 2, Episode 7, Don't Ever Laugh as a hearse Goes By.
1: Or you might be the next to die. Mm. All right, I'm just going to not, not take it from there. Um, I'm Haley from Red Handled Scissors and the Very Serious Crafts podcast.
0: And I'm Natalie from Uber Dark Designs, an official true crime creative.
1: So what's going on in your life?
0: What isn't?
1: <laughs> That's a fair question, given After your the recent past.
0: clusterfuckery of the last few weeks. Uh, (laughs) things (laughs) to say the least things are it really was a
1: cluster of fuckery that's true
0: really truly was like i i should update the wikipedia page on it because it was pretty it was pretty interesting uh so now i has uh first round of vaccine that's fun. Woohoo. And we has new home we will be moving to that is that's exciting. So fun. It's like this red schoolhouse cottage in the woods. Um, uh-huh. but super spacious and huge huge amount of land for a uh, garden and I'm gonna try to do a chicken coop, even though my kids were like, No. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> Because whatever they will love the chickens chickens are amazing and we eat eggs so you know it's just a good thing to do but so uh the cats are gonna be happy there's lots of space they're gonna need to learn to run on hardwood floors so that's gonna be hilarious watching them do um
1: speaking of cats minor yowling hold on right <laughs> <sighs> anyway yes uh,
0: your cat yes and they have a little Aww. Harry Potter nook underneath the stairs for, we're going to put a little cushion in there and make it their little cat room. Uh, I can't wait. not big enough for people, but big enough for cats. And we have a cedar planked mud room that has these big built-in uh, benches that's perfect for like coffee and reading and...
1: And yarn storage. Yarn storage, <laughs>
0: yeah. Whoo,
1: that's... Thanks, Cedar.
0: Yep. <laughs> So, yeah, so that's really exciting and we're super I mean, the actual process of moving sucks. But well, at yes. the same time, it's, you know, it's a clean start and fresh stuff and that's always fun and the girls are excited to decorate their rooms and all the fun stuff that comes with that. So, that's the big news yeah. from me. Oh, I also found oh, something that's else exciting. Oh my gosh. What, what, wait. I forgot to put this in the show notes. So uh, I came across, I think it it was triggered by by a TikTok, and then I started to actually, I went to look it up to see if it was actually true or not. Um, And I know that we Mm -hmm. have not talked political in a while because things aren't as crazy pants as before, but apparently if you are a member. Unless you're trans. Right. Well, Then
1: things are real crazy pants, and that's some bullshit.
0: And and seriously, that is, and this actually might apply to them as well, now that I think about it. So if you're a member of the satanic church, you have full body autonomy. Uh Uh-huh. And states have to recognize that when it comes to abortion rights.
1: That's interesting. I didn't know. I wonder how that will hold up to legal scrutiny.
0: Um, it's there's uh and I can I can link it in the show notes because I started going down to check on it. Um and it's it's legit it's you know it it falls under the same religious religious uh, doctrine that uh, allows you know for other various religions to um, like indigenous people to have um, certain substances that they use in rituals that we would not um, to you know yeah just a variety of, of, of things that have to do with religious choice and freedom and I was kind of floored by that. Um, Interesting. so Right? <laughs> and I was like, oh, I got to remember to bring that up because, you know. I mean, they are
1: them. an activist organization.
0: They are. It was pretty amazing to see. So I wonder if you have if those same rights that apply to the religious, the the specific bodily autonomy that the religion, which I was not aware of. Um, mm-hmm is in their doctrine and part of their they're not yeah. admits, but if that would then carry through t- for trans people as well to protect uh, them
1: I mean that would make sense but I mean unfortunately you come up against like you can't just because religious doctrine says so you can't um, honor kill someone. Right. Like there there are legal limits. Right, there's Um, legal limits. So it will be it would be interesting. Um I mean I'm surprised that I would be surprised if um there weren't a legal objection to abortion specifically. Mm -hmm. I don't think that it would fly but they, it would surprise me if it didn't go to court. Um, if you were in a place where that was an issue, I happen to live in New York City, where that right. is not an issue. But
0: yeah, they even had paperwork on their the official it Church of Satan site that you can yeah. download that has the religious stat, the statutes and and cool. specifically in terms of um, no waiting period. No invasive ultrasound. Um, so things that um, that are tipping points um, and are super invasive. I mean, seriously, that that's the last oh, thing. Yeah. That's the last thing you want to go through when when you're already facing that decision. But I just I remember I was like, oh, I gotta bring that up because it's something that I didn't know, um, and that could be helpful. And yeah. certain cases. So
1: I mean, there are. Lots of, there are lots of ways that there, or uh, lots of things that religious exceptions can be applied to. So that is, that is interesting. I wonder, hmm, I feel like there are a lot of different belief systems where that idea exists. Anyway, I don't think I should go into the weeds on that. Nope. But that—that um, is. That I just is, wanted to toss
0: it out there in case you never know. Yeah,
1: that's interesting. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know enough about how that law practically works, um, to have or how that collection of laws mm-hmm. practically works. Um, so I'm not sure how impactful it is. But that's. That's interesting. I want to know more. Right. If you uh, are a legal scholar um, and you want to take a minute to explain it to me, I would love that. And also, you know, like pay you an hourly fee or something. (laughs) Um, Yeah. But. uh, How are you? So you got your fast shot. Yep. Your fast shot. First shot. (laughs) See, my, I I have a fever. (laughs) <laughs> um, because I got my second shot Yay. Uh, Yay. on Thursday, and I still have a fever, and I still have hives, and it is still better than COVID. Yes, significantly.
0: Yes, yeah. I- So that's fun. I ended up getting really nauseous in the middle of the night for my first round which i did not expect but it it didn't last long and again it's better than death i'm <laughs> just saying yeah that's interesting
1: that is the one that i didn't get and like that is my body's response to everything stressed out mm-hmm. yeah uh happy mm-hmm. like that <laughs> is that job. is just how my body works and so it that is not the thing although I have an awful lot of joint aches and pains, so Ooh. I feel ancient. <sighs> but that's not fun. Whatever. It's fine. It, it will be fine. And in like a week and a half, I will be as covered as I'm going to get.
0: You can hug, so even though you don't want to.
1: <laughs> I, I don't want to hug anyone. But,
0: but you I, could, and that's the point. <laughs>
1: Well, I will definitely be hugged by at least 3 people that I can think of off the top of my head, yes. and they're allowed. So, that that's fine. But yeah. Ooh. There's cats. So many cats <laughs> all around me doing stupid things. Yes.
0: They can't talk now. And they're doing cat stuff. <laughs>
1: They are doing cat stuff. Yesterday, Mr. Big Stuff grabbed the back of my head, wrapped his paws around it, yeah. and then proceeded to nuzzle my hair and do other cat things. Yeah. And then he used the back of my head as a pillow.
0: He was like, I... I was sitting
1: on the couch. Like, sitting <laughs> up on the couch.
0: He was like, you're not feeling well, so I'm going to give you some extra
1: yes it was very sweet and he tried to do it again this afternoon while i was sitting on the couch briefly but anyway so oh black cats
0: i love them <laughs> yes tiny panthers tiny
1: panthers i have two yes you do my little voids well my large void and my small void <laughs> So yay! Anyway. Yeah! So that's pretty much what's going on with me.
0: That's awesome! Right now, we should probably take a quick break to thank all of our fantastic Curiosity Shop members over (laughs) on Patreon, and this would be the point where we'd give you a totally normal and not at all creepy welcome once you join us, but this week we actually don't have any new ones. So it's just time to give some extra love to our amazing members yes we love you so much you're the best yes
1: you are the best and we just we find your existence to be delightful yes. and i might even tolerate a hug
0: <gasps> Ooh.
1: yeah yeah so if you happen to be a patron and you happen to ever encounter me in the wild (laughs) tell me you're a patron and ask if you can hug me if you are a hugger and i will say yes
0: that is um, that's how amazing our patrons are it's true i love how delightfully quirky everybody is and there's never drama and it's like oh look I learned this thing or hey did you check this out and it's it's such a nice little spot on the internet
1: yes and we've got a couple new stories from one of our patrons uh hanging out in our email inbox so perhaps we will do another fun little dive into that soon Jeremy, the cat barfed. <laughs> Sorry, my cats really just want to interrupt everything today.
0: That's that's a thing. That's a thing. That's normal.
1: Yes. So, um, back to the the patrons. <laughs> You're the best. It's very best. Um, yeah, and we would totally go explore hidden old graveyards. In the woods, the woods behind Natalie's <laughs> new house. Yes. With you. Um, and also, maybe you can hug me. Yeah. There you go. It's true. Yay. Da-da-da. Yes. <sighs> All right. So, today, we're going to talk about burying or potentially not burying bodies i am going to take a shallow dive <laughs> into tombs vaults crypts mausoleums uh sepulchers is that how you say oh, that yes word? it is i've ever heard it, it out is. loud
0: that's exactly how you say it uh, it's a good word
1: sweet I have only ever read it. Um, so I'm going to take a shallow dive, because, you know, above ground, mostly, <laughs> um, into that and how they work. And then we're going to meander through some green options and also a body farm. Yes. Yeah. So that's going
0: to be spring. awesome. spring.
1: <laughs> Spring on the body farm. Yep. The femurs, they're running free. <laughs> Mating season is upon the earlobes. Uh, th- which is not at all true because, well, soft tissue that sticks out.
0: Blooming mandibles. <laughs> Our natural habitat. <laughs>
1: Definitely blooming mandibles. Um, wow, that that took a turn. It did. Um, I approve of the turn that it took. I like it. Let's see. Uh, trudging onward into the cemetery. Yes. All right. So you may be wondering. You may be sitting here looking around thinking, this is not my beautiful mausoleum. This is not my beautiful wife. <gasps> um, yeah, but in fact, it might actually be your beautiful mausoleum. I don't know. Presumably, you know, but I don't know. <laughs> so what is a mausoleum? Mausoleums are freestanding buildings or structures that hold a crypt, which is fun. Mm -hmm. Yes, and crypts, contrary to what you may have learned from watching some horror hosts that still existed in the 1980s, Mm -hmm. um, was the Crypt Keeper a horror host?
0: I think so. Wasn't like creep show.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, uh, crypts are not like w- weird, mysterious holes of death. They are basically little cubby holes that are made to hold caskets. Not terribly dramatic or exciting. And when you're talking about mausoleums and also tombs and vaults and pretty much any body storage that does not involve being directly buried in the ground, although some vaults are in the ground, so that's a thing, but (laughs) um, you would refer to these bodies as entombed, not buried, so that's fun. Indeed. All right. So there are many different types of mausoleums. And I guess I kind of knew that, but also there are a lot of different kinds of mausoleums. Wow. Um, so, like, really big historical ones like the Great Pyramids of Giza and the Taj Mahal, those are all mausoleums. they're gigantic but that is what they are still um but if you are say hanging out in brooklyn right now like i am you're probably not going to run across that although you can certainly run across many 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 mass graves Mm. um But not generally speaking, housed above ground. Um, So you might come across a family mausoleum, which is the thing that you're picturing. Like the little chapel-looking thing with the stained glass in the cemetery that has the family name in granite on the outside, and like it looks like a cute little church, and probably the gates are padlocked shut to keep the damn teenagers out. Damn
0: teenagers.
1: Yes, <laughs> damn kids. Um, so that's probably what most of us think of when we think of mausoleums. But there are also public mausoleums, which are usually indoors, and they usually have access to the outer doors of a crypt which generally bears the name of the person interred there. So remember the crypt is the little casket cubbyhole. So a public crypt or a public mausoleum is actually pretty common um, and they can also be like columbariums or columbaria. I'm not really sure how we would pluralize that, but um, which are basically mausoleums made to hold cremated remains. Gotcha. Um, So those exist pretty widely. I think um, columbaria are probably the most common of that type. Um, At least it's the one that I see most often around here, Uh, but public mausoleums have existed in many incarnations for a long time throughout history, and they're also one of the ways that people who don't have a ton of money can have respectable interments. And so I'll actually come back to that a little later. Because I'm going to tell you about oven crips in New Orleans, which Ooh. will connect with the idea of public mausoleums. Um, they also exist in a garden variety <laughs> mausoleum, okay, <laughs> which is a garden mausoleum, and I am just. Very tired. I don't know. (laughs) Um, So they don't have an indoor space, but they have crypt doors that are arranged along the outside walls. And so I I think those are also pretty common, especially in places where the weather is pretty nice. Mm -hmm. And there are also lawn crypts. In-ground mausoleums, catacombs, several other things that you can think of for calling them, these are the underground versions of a mausoleum. And they're usually themselves a big crypt, um, or they contain multiple crypts. So there are... I guess when people think of catacombs, they often think of really old things, um, like the Paris catacombs or the different cities of the dead in ancient settings. Mm -hmm. But catacombs actually do still exist. And I have been in the catacombs at Greenwood, which as everybody knows is my local cemetery um and the catacombs at greenwood are interesting because well i'm i'm not sure exactly how to talk about them they are i i guess you would say they are multiple family mausoleums with multiple crypts inside them within the catacombs so like when you go down there is or there are a bunch of different larger doors with family names or plaques or inscriptions and then you can open those larger doors and inside there are shelves and crypts and like like, multiple places for multiple bodies pretty much that's Apartment buildings <laughs> uh, for the dead is yeah. basically what um what someone described them as in my research. So yeah, the uh, so the Greenwood ones are open to the public only one day a year, Ooh. and they weren't planned. Uh, they were actually the result of mining in that area, and then they repurposed. The mine that they dug, basically, to create this um, below ground catacomb situation, and they are strange. <laughs> they are not what you're thinking of, but they also, um, like, you aren't going to see any body parts, right? In in this, because the crypts are all sealed. But they do hold concerts
0: in it, Ooh. like
1: classical music concerts, because the acoustics are perfect.
0: I was going to say. For
1: that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so there
0: are some, you, though, where not, obviously not a Greenwood, but there are mm-hmm. some where you can actually um, basically watch your loved one decompose. Like, aren't there glass ones where you can see in? Not there, but isn't that? Yeah. The, yeah. There are
1: really yeah, a there, of, um, of Well, there are, there are lots of answers yeah. to that. Um, some of them happen more frequently now or um, in yesteryear than they do now. Right. But um, yeah, so I'm going to talk about now how mausoleums work because. Well, they, they don't smell like decaying bodies and they don't seem to look that creepy when you look in the windows. So, generally speaking, if you are a corpse, you would be placed in a coffin. Hopefully in a coffin that has vents so it doesn't explode as you decompose and blow the door off your crypt because that's an actual thing that happens Ooh, yeah yeah don't don't go for the safety coffin right. and that is that's a, a load of nonsense Maybe that rubber seal is just gonna it, it, ugh, like a don't poorly
0: do canned jar of tomatoes
1: Oh, God. Uh, Yes. (laughs) And you can tell when it's happened and it's gross.
0: Um, Maybe go for the shroud. A nice breathable material.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, uh, most coffins are equipped with vents for gas and liquid Mm. to escape. Um, Because that's how we get a nice desiccated corpse instead of soup body soup yeah so if you are in a reusable crypt or mausoleum and both of those can be reusable um like say an oven crypt in new orleans this is what happens when a new body arrives after you. So remains that are already in a mausoleum or within a single crypt would be removed from the coffin, and this generally traditionally happens after one year and one day, which was Not for any of the woo reasons that you may be thinking, Mm -hmm. but that's how long they thought it took for infectious diseases to no longer be an issue. And we're talking about, this was like the time of yellow fever and things like that. So it was when, um, that was the thinking that the body would be safe to handle at that point. Yes, um, but it would also happen that that would give you a solid amount of time to no longer have moisture in your body. And so once you are removed from the coffin, the coffin would be destroyed, probably burned, depending on what it's made out of. Mm -hmm. Um, And then your bones would be pushed to the back of the crypt into a built-in shaft um, and that shaft leads to an area under the crypt called a cavo which is basically it, it translates to vault or cellar and that is where your immortal remains will mingle with everyone else's who has, have come before you. So, like, so your you just, family's bones.
0: So you just laundry shoot it down to hang out with your ancestor uh-huh. bones. Okay.
1: Well, when you put a new person in. Right. And, I mean, that could be never. Or it could be... Well, I don't think you'd probably want to do it Sounds very like a much earlier than that.
0: Really weird board game. Waiting to be well, made. and that's why <laughs>
1: there are different shelves and different slots yeah. in mausoleums because sometimes lots of people do, like, all get an infectious disease and die at once or there's an accident First. or something like that. Um, so I think that is kind of cool Especially well, I guess if you like your family and it would be fine with you if your bones mingled with theirs for all eternity. Maybe not, if that isn't your deal. But it that makes a lot of sense to me. It does. And then on the outside of the of that kind of mausoleum, of a mausoleum that would be reused, um, there would generally be a plaque or a tablet outside with a list of everyone's name who had been interred there and sometimes that doesn't happen if you aren't wealthy enough for it to happen Hmm. Uh, but generally speaking if you're talking about like a family mausoleum or a family crypt then which is that would be likely to happen
0: because, from a real estate perspective, you take up less room with mausoleum.
1: Oh, I'm going there. Okay, that is
0: <laughs> totally the
1: next thing. Um. So, if so, that was how a reusable crypt works, and mm-hmm. that is how like the oven crypts in New Orleans, which. Look like ovens. That is, like, they are vaulted, and they look like ovens. And they allow for the body to dry out, and for you to reuse those slots, which is really helpful, because you don't, generally speaking, bury people underground in New Orleans. Right,
0: that's, that's a, that's a poltergeist movie waiting to happen.
1: Well, and I mean, some, there certainly are people who are buried in new orleans but when you've got the water table that Mm -hmm. close like it's it's not necessarily the best idea it's not ideal no and so um if you're in one of those reusable crypts or if you're in a family mausoleum there's Generally speaking, like in the family mausoleum version of this, um, there's often like a table or pedestal or something in the middle of the crypt mm-hmm. where the current body or the current casket might be displayed. And so, or a vault within it where the current casket is, is more the norm but that's what you see if you peer in to a crypt or if you peer into a mausoleum sorry um and that place that is like the the place of honor within yeah. the mausoleum that performs basically the same function as the crypt in any other variety of mausoleum where the most recent body remains there and the idea is that the body dries out and decomposes and then the bones are moved into one of the crypts or drawers or shelves that might be within that family's mausoleum and then The next person who passes away will then go into the now free area.
0: Yep. So, yeah. I just keep thinking of the mausoleum in in Buffy.
1: Uh huh. (laughs) (laughs) We all are. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Oh, Spike.
0: Yeah, Spike.
1: Oh, Spike. Whew. Now I'm a little warm. Biggie, don't need to yowl at me. All right. Um, So I think when Americans hear about reusing crypts or um, moving bodies within mausoleums, there's sort of a ugh factor. Um, But in most places in the world... Actual burial plots are temporary. Mm. They are not perpetual in the way that they are in the United States um, by law. And so if you buy or your family buys a burial plot for you, they rent it for a certain amount of time. Mm. And when that time is up, if they don't want to continue paying for it... um, Either the body is removed and interred elsewhere, or you might dig below that and deposit the bones and then put another burial on top. So it isn't a forever resting place in the same way that it, uh, in other places that we think of it as in the U.S. So reusable crypts and mausoleums actually make, a world of sense. They really do. Yeah. And they also make a world of sense, quite frankly, in the US today, especially in cities. Right? Because real estate,
0: we're just yeah, we're running out of space. They
1: save so much space and they also, um, and especially referring to the oven crypts in New Orleans. They allow for a proper burial for people who might not otherwise be able to afford it.
0: And that is hugely important.
1: Yeah. And so um, how that has historically worked is um, less wealthy people could join societies uh, where they're uh, who would have community mausoleums Mm -hmm. um specifically with um within their society and you could pay a small amount of dues and be interred in this communal mausoleum that's really smart yeah and so it would be a religiously appropriate respectful burial Mm -hmm when that otherwise might not be an option for someone and so i think that makes a world of sense and also nobody needs to take up forever the amount of space like the six foot by six foot by three feet or whatever it is um that a burial plot like Your casket doesn't need to be sitting in the ground forever. You you aren't going to take up that much room, assuming that you don't have an exploding um, (laughs) casket. Well, I was... Like, you're going to... That stuff's going to drain out. You're not going to be as massive as you currently are.
0: Right. And uh, during my research... uh...
1: Like literally massive not <laughs> right. Not heavy.
0: Um, so I found in my research, they estimate that uh, like the city of London is going to absolutely run out of space to bury people by 2035. Yeah, and New it's York just, is not
1: dissimilar. Um, um, yeah. And it's also like a cost effective solution too. Like, there are a lot of good reasons for mausoleums. And I actually pulled up the price list for my local cemetery just because I was curious. And I actually didn't think that they were still doing burials there, but they definitely are. And it is so much more reasonable. And I linked the price list in the show notes. It
0: sounds fancy.
1: Yeah. It, and it seems kind of tacky to read it, so I'm not going to read it, but um <laughs> but yeah. So it it makes a whole lot of sense. I'm a fan um, now. I'm
0: a fan. Like I was yeah, like, not so, a fan, but now like it it seems
1: Yeah, it's it a, a really green yeah. option. And I also think that it takes in to account the reality that your body is going to decompose right and it isn't like you're going to be like immaculately preserved in this casket forever like even if you're embalmed your body decomposes and you turn into corpse goo like that is just how science works
0: eventually you're just gonna be bones and hair like it
1: teeth teeth yeah um yeah oh skulls with hair that is (laughs) a thing that creeps me out uh yeah so i just i think that that is a really responsible way to go about like if you really strongly feel the need to keep someone's mortal remains yeah. in a place where you know where it is, that that is a responsible and like environmentally sound way to do it, especially I if you don't totally happen agree. to be embalmed.
0: Yep. I totally agree.
1: Yep. So you may be wondering at this moment, why don't mausoleums smell like dead bodies? I
0: was wondering that
1: well i can tell you sometimes they do (laughs) (laughs) but the actual answer to this and i I have been in some i have been in some strange burial places (laughs) um and i have been in places where the door has clearly been blown off Ah. um yeah
0: they brought the funk
1: Yeah, New York has a good handful of catacombs um, Mm. under old churches and such, so I I have been to one where the seals have been broken, and it was either zombies or bodies um, creating pressure. I don't know. My cats are all singing, all of them.
0: They are, the songs of their people.
1: Yeah, sorry guys. They're all (laughs) mad. They're all mad about dinner. Um, all right, so, where was I going with that? I don't know. Oh, why don't don't they smell? They don't smell. Um, or they do, and that is bad. All right, so, the crypt itself, generally speaking, if you're at a modern location, and... Someone who knows how to take care of mausoleums is in charge. The actual door to the crypt that you would see if you were coming to visit a loved one in a mausoleum is not the actual door. It's decorative, and it's not actually connected to the crypt. So if you cracked Ah. it open, it would just fall off the wall. It would not do anything. Very exciting. exciting. Um, The actual inner door of the crypt is behind that, and it's sealed. And if, if people know what they're doing, it's sealed well, and there's nothing... Like, there's no way for there to be an air or gas exchange.
0: Nothing's venting out.
1: No. Although things are venting. Um, So, a modern crypt, and also probably some older crypts, because it makes sense, have drainage vents and often slanted floors. Okay. So, if... You happen to have a very sealed casket, and it does blow because often the uh, the hardware will just give out, right? And it will bubble over corpsey goodness. Mm. Um, yeah, delightful. Um, but it just drains there, downward. Yeah, it then it drains downwards into the drains, and there are also gas release exchanges. And so if you're creating a healthy aerobic environment for breakdown, those things are all happening. Nothing's getting backed up. Um, Of course, sometimes coffins explode. And sometimes, well, there's something blocking the vent or something blocking the drain and things can back up. And so that, Those situations are when you would get a mausoleum that smells like a dead body. But generally speaking, it's sealed and there is, like, when you are inside, there simply is not a way that you would come into contact with those gases. Um, In this, I also learned that you can buy burping caskets. Okay. Um, like Tupperware. Yeah, I mean they just have <laughs> gas release valves, but okay. I, I think that's really funny. It is. Um, and also maxi pads for your crypt Sweet. exist. So, crypt with or liners, wings? <laughs> I think without, but also the wrong shape.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but apparently. They can hold many gallons of fluid. Oh, wow. So if your body does bubble over, your crypt liner can, in fact, absorb your goo if needed. Although I feel like good drainage and good ventilation is a way better idea. I agree. But nobody asked me. So don't don't explode your coffin, nobody <laughs> or casket rather. Nobody wants to see that
0: or smell it.
1: No. No. Mm-mm. Um so that is how mausoleums work and why they don't smell and the different ways in which you can approach using and reusing mausoleums they're all still happening today in basically the same way that they have happened for generations and centuries like as long as we have been purposefully storing remains so that is kind of cool
0: that is really cool
1: that- yeah. So, so that- That is all I I have, (laughs) I think. Did I I miss anything? I don't
0: think you did. That was really good and very interesting. And I am now a huge fan. Um,
1: Yeah, me too. I went into this having zero thoughts about, like, I I sort of like cremation because I, I like a neat compartmentalized package. Yes. Um... And like small, portable. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But exactly. But this is a really solid alternative to that because I don't like the idea of having like a casket with God knows what materials just sitting in the ground forever. Um, But it makes a lot of sense to just not do that. It
0: really does. Yeah. And I I should mention. Mm
1: -hmm. yeah uh i should mention that sometimes historically or even in present day in some locations and in some traditions there aren't caskets you just put the body on a shelf or (laughs) um or lay it out and allow it to desiccate
0: do its thing
1: in the way that nature intended yes um, but they still then work pretty much the same way in the pushing the bones to the back and making room for the next. So, yeah. Yeah, that's I, much. I feel like I like I want to look more into that right? as an option.
0: I, I love it. I love it more than my first thing. I'm going to talk mm-hmm. about um, yep. So if you've been listening along with us at all, like, you probably caught that we are huge advocates uh, of how, you know, changing how death is seen and processed in our country, especially. Um, So I'm going to talk about today is two fairly new in the scheme of things. I mean, obviously, it's been around for a long time, but in the blip of our modern times, um, it's fairly new Um, alternatives to what has become the traditional barrier route here in the U.S. Yes. First up, uh, let's talk green burials. All right. Um, Now, this is hardly a new concept in some ways. In fact, uh, it's been around as long as people have. The first recorded burial of a human took place 130 years ago, or 130,000 years ago.
1: I was going to say 130. (laughs) I I can think of several. (laughs)
0: Like
1: (laughs) you are wrong, ma'am.
0: But it made a rebirth of sorts around 2005. When the Green Burial Council was founded. Now, this turned out to be a much bigger deep dive than I anticipated. And for the sake of time um, and <clears throat> emotional energy, because I did get kind of unhappy. Um, did I'm you just get gonna, mad? Yeah, I did. I'm going to stick oh, okay. to giving you like a brief overview of what green burials are. And I wouldn't be me if I didn't throw out there that this whole system really does piss me off. They're absolutely reputable places with their hearts in the right places. Um, but green burial options are not free from the same highly problematic issues that regular no. funerary processes have. And everyone should be able to either have their their own body or that of a loved one sent off with respect and it not have them bankrupt them. But I digress.
1: Yeah, it doesn't need to be bougie, but Seriously. it's bougie. It's,
0: it, this is, yeah, okay, let me just... It's <laughs> like hipster burial. Let, it, it is, it is. I it say
1: is. as an aging hipster, don't at me.
0: Right, okay, so this first paragraph just sets the tone. hmm The Green Burial Council, 2002, Juliet and Joe Sehi moved to the Mojave Desert with a vision of opening an eco-retreat influenced by early Christian monastics with, oh boy. who pilgrimed to the desert in order to, and I quote, befriend death. They hoped to invite others to find solace in the fierce landscape that is Joshua Tree, California. <laughs> i mean it is a fierce landscape but. i mean but if this doesn't read karen the pta mom that makes dream catchers and sells them on etsy i don't know what does um so yeah
1: that, that's that's mildly problematic so one of the at groups, least they're going with early christian right as opposed to any other thing that right. they might and i'm it, assuming it, these are white
0: people oh yes very very white okay uh so one of the groups that the lovely couple hoped to serve were those suffering from loss. Okay. Which is admirable. That sounds uh, fine. Mm-hmm. But this led the Sehis to explore end-of-life rituals that they might accommodate. They also wanted to find Uh-oh. a way to protect thousands of empty acres at the edge of their retreat. These interests led them to learn about the Green Burial Movement that had begun to take shape in England, as well as the first... By
1: protect, does that mean they didn't want any neighbors? Pretty much. Okay.
0: (laughs) As well as the first conservation cemetery in the U.S., which had been launched in 1998 by Dr. William and Kimberly Campbell in Westminster, South Carolina. Now, what they eventually Mm -hmm. discovered was that... uh, A understanding of the green burial movement alone would not actually give them. They needed credibility, basically. Uh, They needed a credible entity uh, that provided third party oversight, because no matter how backwards you are or how bougie you are, there are definite state, county, city, there are regulations in how a body is disposed of so according yeah. to that's our, why you
1: can't bury grandma in the backyard
0: seriously anymore
1: well uh. sometimes you can but
0: <laughs> uh, anyway so to quote our buddy legally Joe, right <laughs> in the spring of 2005 i founded the green burial Council to establish oh, standards no. within the growing green burial movement to do so i brought together a host of experts from the fields of sustainable landscape design restoration ecology Conservation Management, Law and Consumer Affairs. Together we developed the All first Oh that
1: sounds fine.
0: <laughs> so far. Together we developed the uh-huh. first set of environmental standards for green cemeteries and the funeral professionals and product manufacturers that support them. Today, the organization is going to become the standard bearer and lead steward of the growing environmental social consumer green burial movement to ensure that end of life practices and the facilities, products and practices associated with them further legitimize environmental aims. We will continue doing so uh, everything that we can to support ways of caring for our dead and in doing so make end of life rituals more meaningful, simple and sustainable end of quote so okay I love the whole rituals thing uh it's very f- focused on environment is which is good but not a lot of focus on the people behind it and it's definitely the buy our products yeah give us money to join this and we will certify you um Now, according to the council site, natural burial ground cemeteries and preserves all seek to bury without impediment. That means no, and this is a direct quote on their site, that means no embalming, but they sell embalming chemicals. No liners or vaults and using biodegradable containers, whether they're casket shrouds or nothing at all. These cemeteries are operated by a variety of owners, whether it's uh, they have municipal governments, religious groups, individuals, not-profits, for-profits, and others. Often the burial grounds are designated natural because they have not been directly affiliated with or in partnership with a land trust or other conservation entity, but they most likely are committed to following the conservation best practices nonetheless. Natural burial cemeteries uh, strive to provide rich experiences for families and friends amidst careful restoration and maintenance of the land and its inhabitants, both above and below ground. Well, so the fact that they're like, no embalming, but if you go to their products, like the the people that, because they have authorized a very small handful of authorized green burial product providers there is literally embalming non-toxic but embalming fluids on there so on one hand you're already saying no embalming on the other hand you're like hi buy these natural embalming products
1: um well i suppose it's probably better than well toxic chemical i mean everything's a chemical but um hmm
0: so according to the GBC, their, gro- their green burial ground criteria is caring for the dead with minimal environmental impacts that aids in the conservation of natural resources, reduction of carbon emissions, protection of worker health, restoration, and a preservation of the habitat. Okay. Green burial cemetery uh, characteristics foregoes toxic embalming. So now we've got embalming, but not toxic. Mm-hmm. Does away with vaults, chooses biodegradable containers, casket shrouds, and urns, discontinues herbicides, pesticides, and fertilizers, encourages sustainable management practices, may use GPS units or non-native... Oh, there's
1: fertilizer.
0: <laughs> right. Uh, may use GPS units or non-native stone markers to mark grave sites. Uh, can you imagine GPS locating your grandma uh, uh may support land ah, conservation why efforts. Can't we have headstones? Cuz you know that's um, stones? Yeah. But well, I don't. mean
1: I realize that they that requires an awful lot of water and
0: and so power is,
1: to carve, right. but I assume that they're not digging these holes by hand.
0: Well, and the GPS units It doesn't cost resources and plastic and all kinds of chemicals to create. So there's a whole array of variations. Uh, So you got hybrid cemeteries, and those are a conventional cemetery that offers the essential aspects of a natural barrier, either throughout the cemetery or in a designated section. So I'm guessing it's like the organic section of your grocery store. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Then you've got the GBC certified hybrids that do not require vaults and must allow for any kind of eco-friendly biodegradable burial containers, again, such as shrouds and softwood caskets. Then there's natural barrier grounds. Those are cemeteries dedicated in full to sustainable practices and protocols that conserve energy, minimize waste, and do not allow the use of toxic chemicals, any part of a vault, lid, slab, or partitioned liner, markers made of non-native stones, and burial containers not made from natural plant-derivative materials. Lastly, we have the conservation burial grounds, which is a type of natural cemetery that is established in partnership with a conservation organization and includes a conservation management plan that upholds practices and provides perpetual protection of the land according to the conservation easement or deed restriction. Okay. So, none of these sound better for the environment than mausoleums like I'm looking Um, at this and I'm like like I get it but it sounds like you are already in my head you're already purchasing this chunk of land and getting a tax break on it because you're going to make it environmentally like it doesn't sound it just sounds hokey and not kind of I don't know it just it doesn't sound it doesn't sit well with me um there's it,
1: there's too much right i I think I, it
0: feels like it's more complicated than it's, it, it it's, needs to it's be. more complicated and it's a new form of bougie because yeah, I'm sure that aside, it's expensive it, to
1: have oh my God uh fewer things manufactured for
0: so your benefit yeah i was going through i looked at every one of the product providers that they have that are considered authorized according to their site now most places didn't list the prices of their caskets a lot of these caskets of
1: course they don't
0: right they're made of natural wood. you gotta
1: ask for a price list
0: seriously they're just as freaking ornate and look like almost any other casket minus the shellac on the outside Yep. The b- casket baskets uh range anywhere uh from eight hundred to eighteen hundred. Which is those not are bad. usually
1: handmade, aren't they?
0: Now I-, I would hope that they're handmade.
1: I think that they are. I think that's why they're
0: Which as, if they are handmade As much as they are. I'm cool with that. But I'm mm-hmm. but I also wanna know who they're handmade by because in my head I'm picturing poor children. In another country and making these yeah
1: there's a co-op of some sort that exists I think in an eye-rolly way connected with this group Um, but it's been a while since I've seen the article that I'm thinking of
0: the shrouds there's they started uh, at there is a couple sites that did have their prices on um, and those start from 250 to In the thousands of dollars And the thousand plus was beautiful It was silk and hand Embroidered
1: Well and then it should be that much
0: So yeah so that's where The cost is going to come in Yeah Now the urns uh, Were interesting to me Because like the cheapest urn I found Which look It was nothing more Than a fucking box Mm -hmm. And it was $95 Yes. Um, to like 395 There's urns made out of cornstarch that you bury and then they break down. But then I'm like, why even have – it's confusing to me. But you can also have your ashes in an urn that will grow an apple tree for $129. And that doesn't call um, include the cost of the cremation. So – but I did find uh, – and I linked in the show notes – completely separate from this freaking council. Um, I did find there are some really cool new options to traditional cremating, including mm-hmm. like water cremation. And yeah, I, I'll let you take which a-
1: uses a lot of power and a lot of water. Right. Like, there's it's cool. There are definitely downsides.
0: Right. Um, and there's another form, too, that's not water, but not traditional Giant body oven. Um, uh, but they kind of make me happy and their prices. Is Isn't it like a
1: giant dehydrator or something? Something
0: like that. And then, yeah. Um, and that one I want to say was, I mean, it was just a couple hundred dollars. Even the, um, the water cremation was less than a thousand dollars. So it was much more economical. Um, so, uh, so yeah so green burials do consider the ecological impact of the physical processing of death but i don't think that they necessarily solve the issues facing the current traditional standards that we have it just seems like they're cashing in on like an organic eco-friendly kind of thing yeah they're
1: greenwashing
0: yeah it just didn't sit well um so before I move on to my next item, which yeah, I, it,
1: the wording, it, right? It it, just, it's, it feels slimy. Yeah, um, it, it does. But I also think they were clearly trying to appeal to, well, me, as a consumer. Mm. Um. Yeah, it's it's hard to tell the difference between marketing jargon and actual intent.
0: Yes. Yes, yes. Um, and that's the thing. I think that a part of it might have just been a subconscious thing that it was so focused on environment and selling products that the personal and human aspect was completely removed from it. Yeah, it, it feels sterile. Like there's like, no, we will More than you. normal. Right. There's somebody there to help you with it. It just, it was missing that personal kind of factor. Uh, now before I moved on to my next option um, I do want to mention briefly my love of the mushroom suit oh my
1: goodness (laughs) are like
0: the what I encourage you to watch the TED talk that I link in the show notes I think it sounds amazing beloved actor Luke Perry is buried in one Uh, while doing research though I forgot that Luke Perry was dead yeah, and he was buried in a mushroom suit, and his family was, cool. like, super happy about it. Um, I did find, so I started doing research on it, and I found an article that debunks it, uh, and I was not trying to hear that, so I noped out and decided to leave it out of my talk, uh, so I didn't
1: have to dis- <laughs> disillusion myself,
0: <laughs> because avoidance. But at the same time, I think the author of the article probably had some nefarious motives for debunking it because of what they themselves do sell whatever either way i still Eh. (laughs) i am living in denial i think okay i'll let you live in denial (laughs) i want to grow pretty mushrooms no i don't um but (laughs) fine (laughs) (laughs) watch the video (laughs) so moving on i
1: want to grow psychedelic (laughs) mushrooms
0: yes Actually, no. I am all about the next newer option, which is body farms.
1: Ow! That's so, not new.
0: No, it's it is newer in the scheme of things. I mean, in the scheme of it, it's it's not it's not that much older than we are. I mean, no, it's not. So, and we're young and hip. Um, uh huh.
1: <laughs> definitely.
0: So, so what on earth is a body farm? well yes
1: please tell me i'm excited about this one
0: (laughs) it's where you plant your people no (laughs) in the simplest of terms
1: i mean kind of yeah
0: it is uh it's an outdoor research facility where the decomposition of human bodies can be witnessed and documented and learned from in a variety of settings and circumstances
1: yeah it's it's an educational atmosphere
0: it is So the first body farm was conceived by anthropologist William M. Bass in 1971 at the University of Texas in Knoxville, Tennessee. Uh, Bass was interested in studying the decomp of human corpses from the time of death to the time of decay. Side Mm -hmm. note, there are currently five completely badass women running the department now. And I really- I really just want to go learn all the things about them and you can check out I more just want to be them. friends with them. Seriously. I want to hang. Like, I think I, th- I'm putting it out there in the universe. Bones and bobbins field trip, university of Texas, Knoxville tour, the body farm, hang out with the women.
1: Yeah. Seriously. No, let's like
0: dream right there. Honest to God. Uh, so you can check out more about them in our show notes. and I, do I bet talk my
1: dad would want to come too. <laughs> Sir, bring him. <laughs> He's I'm probably already it. been
0: there. <laughs> right. He's like, well, let me tell you. Uh, no. So the aim was to gain a better understanding of the decomp process, permitting the development of techniques for extracting information such as like the timing and circumstances of death from human remains. Yeah. Body farm research is. Like a, in a law
1: enforcement.
0: Right. It aspect. is. Aspect a particular interest in the forensic anthropology and related disciplines uh, and has applications in the fields of law enforcement and forensic science. Uh, By placing the bodies outside to face the elements, researchers are able to get a better understanding of the decomposition process. Now, currently, there are seven facilities uh, like this across the U.S., the largest of which... Wow. Yeah. The largest of this is a facility operated by the Texas State University Which is sitting about 26 acres. Uh, And there's one in the University of South Florida that's unique because it offers subtropic conditions that aren't found at the others. So I was going to say swamp. (laughs) Yes. Uh, The remaining five are Western Carolina University, Sam Houston State University, Southern Illinois University, and Colorado Mesa University.
1: Southern Illinois. Interesting.
0: Yes, exactly, not and
1: Colorado's bad. interesting too. Right. I wonder if that's a high elevation one.
0: Ooh, that'd be fun. Um Yeah. I I may be really excited about these. Uh, <laughs> so for the rest of this, I'm going to focus on the original- We want
1: the t-shirt.
0: Yes. Uh the original body farm. So, yep. 6 years after the outdoor facility was created, the FAC was established within the Department of Anthropology. And since then, it has made headlines, helping to inspire a long list of books and television shows like, oh, I don't know, CSI, Crime Scene Investigation, Hmm. and my favorite, Bones. Uh,
1: Ah, Bones.
0: Yes. At one point, nearly two-thirds of board-certified forensic anthropologists in the U.S. were trained by Bass. That
1: makes sense to me.
0: All, this is a quote, all, re- all the research that we do out here is to benefit law enforcement and to move forensic science forward in areas such as grave recognition and how best to excavate burials," says Donnie Wolf Stedman, director of Forensic Anthropology Center at the University of Tux- Tennessee Knoxville, and all-around badass woman, who manages mm-hmm. the research facility. To duplicate real-life scenarios, donors are left to de- decompose in various states partially clothed, wrapped in plastic, placed in a car trunk, or even in a garbage bin. These are all things we can test, Edmund said, and directly help law enforcement figure out their cases better. Yeah. So how does this all work? So as of earlier this week, there are more than 5,000 people who have arranged to give their body to them for scientific study after death. Pre-registration and cool. in infectious disease. Disease statuses are checked first, then the FAC polices calls to doctors and hospitals to request the medical records. If everything checks out, a two-person team of graduate students drives to retrieve the donors that are within a hundred miles <laughs> radius of Knoxville.
1: It's not funny, but it
0: That's it I want to see a movie on that road trip. Field I'm just saying trip. <laughs> seriously.
1: Uh oh, uh,
0: we could do a ride-along. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. Call us. <laughs> Seriously. Please. Call us. Donors are not the only bodies that the FAC receives at its facility in the William M. Bass Forensic Anthropology Building at UT's campus. Mm-hmm. At any given time, upwards of 40 forensic cases are handled for law enforcement by the FAC, which has contracts with the Medical Examiner's Office of Kentucky and West Virginia, but has also con- like consulted on cases as far away as the uk yes. in 2018 two of the center's associate directors lee meadow dance and joanne Delva- devlin helped to identify the remains of a 20 year old indiana woman who had been missing for more than 30 years mm-hmm. not long after that a skeleton that had been at the facility since the 80s was des- uh, was identified as a 15 year old girl from new hampshire Who had run away from home, but sadly was murdered. Now, the FAC conducts national and international forensic investigations. They train law enforcement officers at every level in human remains identification. And it oversees the body farm. Again, real name, Anthropology Research Facility. Uh, Body farm. Yes. It has as many as 200 decomposing bodies or skeletal remains. The Center's groundbreaking research on what happens to the human body after death has uh, helped solve previously unsolvable crimes. And on top of it, all the women that lead the FAC provide undergraduate and graduate students with invaluable hands-on experience in forensic anthropology.
1: Can you imagine being an undergrad at the body farm?
0: Like I seriously, I, I'm not even kidding. I'm like, so like I can do that at some point when the kids are all like, when my girls are like in college, I can go back to school um, yeah Go hang out at the body farm Seriously They also host the FBI's Much sought after um, Recovery of human remains course Yes. So during this five day class Students learn and apply a, a rigid uh, Methodology rather of probing the ground To find clandestine graves Then unearthing the remains And documenting everything Including clues, potential evidence That might be buried in the surrounding soil Everything you see on bones The goal is to collect as complete of a picture as possible of the deceased. And the unique opportunities that body farms in general have to offer students, law enforcement, and more is just freaking invaluable. Now, compared to green burials, the only cost associated with this is the transportation of the body to the facility if you were outside that 100-mile radius. Also, why you can't, like, they just don't have open tours to visit the body farm itself, but if your loved one was donated to the Bass Donated Skeletal Collection, you can actually arrange to visit them as often as you like. Cool. Right? So why would you want to do this? According to Dr. Stedman, some people are teachers who want to keep teaching after they're gone. Some people Mm -hmm. want to be useful forever and ever. Some people have known a crime victim. There are all sorts of reasons for donation, one for every person, and we're grateful for all of them. Now, as a niece of a murdered aunt that remains unsolved, I can literally think of no better use of my body when I no longer inhabit it. Like, I joked in the past about wanting to be, you know, chucked in the body farm, um, and it went with I'd probably be cremated, but seriously, I'm back on that I would like to be in a body farm. Like, I would love to have my body help solve crimes or help provide an understanding to um to just how bodies work and and the environmental impact on a body um to solve the unsolvable and not everything's a murder but sometimes you don't know what happened and you want to know what happened
1: have you read no stone unturned by steve jackson
0: i have not it is on my list but i have not read it yet
1: It's really, really good, and there are uh, the body farm features quite prominently in it because it's it's a book specifically about um, the group Necrosearch, which is uh, one of the earlier um, groups to specialize in finding remains in situ. Out, out of doors. Nice. And it's really, really good if uh, anybody needs some light reading.
0: Light reading, just light reading. And mm-hmm. the body farm is hugely green. You don't get embalmed, you don't get you, you just, you know you get up put out there in the nature and whatever.
1: Or in the trunk.
0: Yeah. Or the oil drum, or whatever.
1: Any number of things. Right. Um, although I'm sure that there are actually um, different corrosive aspects that are being studied that aren't particularly green. Um, uh, I would assume. I, I don't know. Um, but science,
0: man. Yeah. I love it. So, yeah, me those too. are my two. Those are my two. Forays into non traditional body goodbyage
1: <laughs> disposal. <laughs> there you
0: go. Uh, Could yeah. not think of the word. Like you're saying goodbye. Mm. That's a thing.
1: Mausoleum or body farm. Yep. Yep. That's. I... Yeah. I, I feel like I need a. We need T-shirts that say either "Take me to your mausoleum" or "Take me to your body farm."
0: <laughs> yes. Absolutely. I'm adding yes. that to the list. Absolutely.
1: Good. I appreciate that you're adding that to the list. Uh,
0: Speaking wow, of lists. Wow,
1: that's fascinating.
0: Right? hmm That brings us to Uh-oh. the weekly worst way to die. Da-da-da. So, what's yours?
1: Drowning in corpse goo.
0: Oh, my God. That almost makes me dry heave. <laughs> <laughs> see? Oh my gosh. That is horrible. Uh-huh.
1: What's yours?
0: Oh, so, mine is on March 19th, you posted a 19th century cemetery <laughs> gun used to protect <laughs> against body snatchers on our Facebook page. And I fully see myself accidentally tripping one of those while like wandering through the cemetery looking at headstones and getting shot by one of those yes would for sure too. be a sucky way to go <laughs> so, like, it would be
1: a hilarious way to go
0: right right
1: i mean i, I would be laughing and dying I
0: right think. right i'd be like that this is about right and everybody would probably be like yep that, that tracks that tracks appropriate for, Yep. It's either that or me accidentally hugging some, well, not accidentally, uh, intentionally hugging some animal I have no business touching. Um,
1: <laughs> True. Well, if you're wearing your Take Me to the Body Farm t shirt. <laughs> there you go. I'm set. And it happens. Mm-hmm. Like, there you go. Okay.
0: Yeah. Just, no problem. Yep. Send me there. Oh, We're good. my goodness. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh yeah i i feel sort of skeezy about green burial i know that there are reputable places like like our favorite um caitlin dowdy who love
0: her love love love
1: definitely is one of the good ones as far as uh morticians are concerned um and also there are several videos that i used of hers explaining all of the the things and also exploding caskets yes. um linked in the show notes so you know wander on over there
0: not not all green burial is creepy but the no. the council that oversees everything
1: it feels kind of
0: mm, yeah doesn't feel comfy
1: no it it feels really similar to the upselly yeah. like mm-hmm. Current state of death, yeah, related like weddings, weddings and funerals.
0: Like it, they just—it's a scam. It's a scam.
1: I know. Ooh, I mean, a good a pickup
0: line: "Your mausoleum or mine."
1: <laughs> I'm fairly certain that actually did happen on Buffy. <laughs> I am. I think that did happen <laughs> i i feel like maybe drusilla was involved mm. um, that seems
0: correct yeah yeah
1: i i think i think it did happen um or possibly giles joking <sighs> with uh his paramour <laughs> hmm. <sighs> on that anyway <laughs> i don't do you think i want to watch some buffy let's do yes. it yes let's do
0: Do you want to be spooky internet friends? (laughs) Talk about mausoleums and body goo. (laughs) You can find us at Bones and Bobbins on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, or you can just visit us at bonesandbobbins.com.
1: Yes, and don't forget to rate and review this podcast. You already know that it pleases the internet gremlins for internet gremlin reasons. And that is, in fact, how we show up in Recommendations and on the podcast charts. Um, So the other Morbid Souls can find us. So
0: forth the Morbid Souls!
1: Yes, take a moment, pause right now, and just go ahead and,
0: you know, tell us hi. Yeah. Whatever. Tell us what your cat's up to. Oh my gosh. Tell us... (gasps) What your favorite way to be buried would be? You know, not yeah. a chit chat. Let us know. We want to know. Yeah,
1: we definitely want to know. I mean, you can tell us that on yes. social media as well
0: because yep. we exist there. Anywhere. Regularly. Anywhere. <laughs> We're totally open hearing. It's true. And on that note, let us leave you with some advice that you should never, ever forget: lock your doors Mm-mm. and don't run with scissors. Each episode of the Bones and Bobbins podcast is written and researched by Haley Pearson-Cox and Natalie Hoyce. Our music was composed by Loyalty Freak Music. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Bones and Bobbins. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, follow us on Spotify, or check us out wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts so you won't miss a minute of our strange and creepy content.